Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Can't get enough revenue intelligence through Reveal? Well, good news. Gong is gearing up for our annual conference, Yes, the big one, Celebrate 20, the Revenue Intelligence Summit. It's going to be on October 14th, and it's 100% virtual, so you can join us from anywhere in the world. We have some amazing speakers like negotiations expert Chris Voss, best-selling author Sheena Iyengar. No, not this Sheena. And executives from Drift, Outreach, Gong, and more. Reserve your seat today at celebrate.gong.io. So Gong is known for having a brand. We've got a big brand, we're, we're well known in our space, and that is by no means a brag, but the reason I mention that is because we have someone on the show today who is also known for having a big brand on LinkedIn, and that's Justin Welsh. He was the VP of sales at Patient Pop. I, took, I believe he took him from zero to $50 million ARR, and then recently he is now the owner of the official Justin Welsh, where he consults and guides companies. And Sheena, were you surprised when he said that he had 11 million impressions on his LinkedIn post this year? Because I was. Yeah, that you know, that's more than what many companies get over a very extended period of time. Um, so that is props to what he's done to build his own personal brand um, online. And, it, and it, I think one of the things that we talked about that really stood out was that it's not by chance. This is an intentional think. If you want to bear those type of results, you have to think through it and put in that time and effort to really build your brand, whether it's for a person or a company. Absolutely. It's something that uh, I've been doing for a little while, admittedly, uh, unintentionally, just started posting on LinkedIn uh, a couple years ago. And now I try to do it regularly. And, and, um, and, and I follow some of Justin's some of Justin's advice, as I kind of mentioned, I've, I've consumed a lot of his content, followed him for a while. You post on LinkedIn, you share a lot of the stuff we're doing on the podcast and at the company. And, and so there's definitely, uh, definitely a good return. There's definitely a reason. But if you think about it, 11 million impressions, like I'd have to call Mike from our digital marketing team and see how much that would cost. You know what I mean? To get that many impressions. Right. And Justin gets it all for free because he's built this following over a couple of years. So um, if you click the episode, you either love Justin or you're interested in b- building a personal brand, or you just can't get enough of, of Sheena and myself, which, which we appreciate. <laughs> but uh, what we do is we talk to Justin, and he's going to give you, you know, like, like Sheena said, like you said, Sheena, how to be intentional. What is your end goal here? Because if you're going to invest the time and in, in the other resources, you should be doing it with a purpose, which I think is awesome. It's a great place to start with why. And then he shares the pitfalls, what not to do, uh, tactical advice of what to do. And then we end out in the micro action, um, three things that you can do to get started today for building your digital brand. So this is, this is a great one. I was really excited to talk to Justin. He really delivered. 100%. Let's take it away with Justin. We are so excited to have you on Reveal. Welcome to the show. I am really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. 
I think the last time we spoke was a few months back when the pandemic was kind of just getting started. It was back in April when we had our first uh, celebrate online. So things have changed quite a bit. You've also had some big uh, life changes. You recently moved to Nashville with your wife. What's kind of surprised you or, or taken you aback from that experience of moving and relocating to this new city? Yeah, I, I guess maybe the most surprising thing would be just we're, we're in this like pretty divisive part of the world or time right now. And people are generally seem to be angry. There's a lot of things going on. There's a pandemic, there's political differences. What I, what I was really surprised with and pleasantly surprised with is just how supportive people were at helping us get to our new destination. No, no matter where we stopped and we stopped in a bunch of different places because we took a really long drive from LA to, to Nashville. And I think it took us maybe 35 or 36 days, you know, no matter where we stopped, big city, small town, whatever, people were awesome. And people were really, really helpful. And, you know, I was really fearful going into this trip that it was going to be a disaster. We had three dogs with us. It was, we had trunk full of stuff. And so it certainly wasn't easy, but people made it easier. And that was just pleasantly surprising. I've always wanted to do that road trip across the U.S. Um, this is probably the best time to do it, honestly, during, uh, you yeah. know, kind of, uh, these pandemic times when you can work from anywhere. So I'll have to make that happen. And it's great to hear that you had that experience, which is amazing. It's, it's the second time I've done a cross country, uh, cross country trip and I highly recommend it. It's a blast. That's perfect. I'm uh, I don't know if you guys had an RV or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not even a dad yet, but I'm like full RV mode. Like if I can do the, the cross country thing, like I'm totally, totally running one and doing it that way. Nice, man. That'd be awesome. I, I, I would be jealous if you did that because I did it in a, in, a, in a small SUV with three dogs. So. <laughs> You've earned it. I'm clearly shooting for the luxury route here. But uh, cool. well, and now that you're in Nashville, uh, I saw you've, you've upped your barbecue intake, which, which kind of goes with the territory, I have to imagine. So I got to yep. ask, what's, what's your dish of choice and are you cooking anything at the Welsh residence? Yeah, um, my dish of choice, uh, un- unfortunately, a bit too frequently is is Edley's here in East Nashville, where I live, and I get their their smoked brisket and their banana pudding, and um, I, I've I've been eating it like twice a week, so that has not been real <laughs> real good to the old physique, um, but really really enjoying. It. I mean, I'm, I've lived in New York and L.A. and San Fran and Boston, but I've never lived in a place that does like barbecue properly. And I'm sure there are people from Austin or Texas who are listening to this who are like, that's not proper barbecue, but it's the best that it's the best that I've had. So, um, so I've been really enjoying the, the brisket and my wife loves the chicken and the turkey. So we go too, too frequently, but, but, uh, really enjoying it. And we cook a lot, man. We, we, um, we cook, you know, probably three to four times a week. We cook dinner. Uh, my wife is is the is a really good cook, and we've got really cool meat shops and butchers and, and fish shops here in Nashville. And so we've been doing a lot of healthy stuff to try and make up for the the barbecue consumption during lunch. Yeah, if you if you pick a lane with the best barbecue, even those are like you know highly charged words. Yeah. Uh, so you're, yeah, you're always going to get some people to agree, <laughs> and then other people like the, the good news is they usually bring like a styrofoam tray of what the real best barbecue is, and then they want to watch you agree with them after eating it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So you recently had uh, posted that you had over 11 million content views on LinkedIn this year, which is tremendous. That's huge. What is it about LinkedIn that has helped you build such a successful personal and professional brand? You know, I don't, I don't know if, if what it is about LinkedIn specifically, other than the fact that people are looking for knowledge. And t- like, if you go to Twitter, right, where I spend a little bit of time, it is a bit more, 
I see a lot more VCs. Um, I see a lot more founders. And I think that's intimidating to some of, you know, the salespeople or SDRs or, or even managers or directors and things like that. LinkedIn, I think, feels like more of a place to to play with your peers and to have fun and to share best practices without being judged or ridiculed. Like I, I think, and I'm not saying that that's, that's what Twitter does, but I'm just su- suggesting that it's a bit more of a safe place to play. And I think because of that, and because people are so thirsty for knowledge, those two things combined make LinkedIn a really great place. And so, you know, about 18 months ago, I think it was January of 2019, I just decided that I wanted to build an audience. And I, I had this hypothesis that, um, come 2020 and 2021, that having an audience and having a brand would be important for accelerating your career, opening up unique opportunities. And so far that's proven to be right. I mean, part of why you and I are having this conversation right now is because I I have a a decent brand on LinkedIn and have done things in my professional career that hopefully weren't, you know, the the time that we spend together, but it's been a great place to just uh, kind of use it as a microphone, a megaphone, right. To, to talk about things that I want to talk about. And I try and be kind and, and empathetic and thoughtful. And I think that people appreciate that. And I try and give advice. So hopefully when people read my stuff, they, they think it's actionable and helpful in their careers. Well, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, people that like actionable tips, I follow you on LinkedIn. I've actually downloaded your playbook for how to build a brand. Um, so, so I, I should say thanks to you. So I've, uh, I have followed some of your advice and, and I think you do a great job of it. There are people who definitely agree you should have a personal brand. And then I think there are people on the fence if you should have a personal brand. Let's start with mm-hmm. defining what it is and then we can kind of go into, you know, the, the details from there. Yeah, to, to me, a personal brand, I don't know if I can really define exactly what it is other than it's your portfolio. It is your new resume. It's your career in, uh, in on social media. And to me, like those things are really important because I think that with a personal brand, you gain control. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but, but yeah. to, to kind of nail it down, to me, a, a personal brand is everything that you do online and offline wrapped into one package and delivered to people who are interested in learning more about you. To me, that is what a personal brand is. So I love that you delineated <clears throat> online and offline because I mm-hmm. think that's what trips people up, right? Because I, you know, we all know there's salespeople and sales leaders that are very successful, very well-known, never log into LinkedIn. Yep. And there are people in the same camp or, or just in somewhere else, somewhere else in their career, right? And they're very active on LinkedIn and they're building their brand that way. So I guess like, is there, is one better than the other? Is there one, maybe a way where people can identify, you know, which lane is for them? Cause not everyone wants to be active on, on a social media platform. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you don't want to be active on social media, that's your call. Like I, I have no, you know, uh, who am I to judge what, what you want to do? But I think if you're going to be active on social media, I think, I think that there's a right way to do it. And, but by the way, I don't, I'm not declarative about how I tell people to build a brand. I'm not like, this is the right way. And that's the wrong way. But if I think about, if I think about when I see people doing it, sales leaders who, and, and leaders across all departments who have experience, um, you know, being really top performers, I think it's great if they go out and share their stuff. Don't you want to know how, you know, Kevin Dorsey built a big sales team? Like, don't you want to know how Jake Dunlap built scaled? Like, I want to know those things. It's interesting to learn about that. Um, I think if you're early in your career and you don't have maybe that level of expertise, I still think it's great to share on social media. And what, what I think about is experience over expertise. Um, I don't like when people come in and they're like, I'm a, 
account executive with one year of experience and I'm going to post about how to build the next $1 billion startup. Like that, that to me doesn't, those things don't connect. But if that person comes in and says, Hey, I've been in my role for a year and it's been challenging and rewarding. And here are a bunch of things that I'd like to share with folks who are one, you know, ladder rung below me who have not yet experienced a year of account executive work, who are looking to grow into this role, who want to learn from my experiences. What an awesome way to share. And I think people stop or or don't start sharing because they think they got to be an expert, but like, what is that? Right? Like there's no certification for being an expert, just share your experience and you will benefit someone. And when you benefit someone, you will build an audience. When you build an audience, a lot of good things happen. I think that's something that deters people from wanting to be more vocal on some of these platforms is that they think they haven't figured it out yet. And there are other people out there that are experts and know this space or this field or this function better than them. But the, the truth is, is that there is somebody out there that can learn from what you've done and nobody has figured everything out, especially in these days. Um, you know, while people are re, you know, figuring out how to re-message for their companies, they're figuring out how to sell when everyone's remote. Nobody has cracked the code on all these, uh, you know, all these different areas. And for you to ha- bring your own perspective, your own experiences um, is, can be very authentic and eye-opening for a lot of different people out there. Yeah, I, I agree. And plus it, it gives you something different. And, and I mentioned to Devin earlier when we were talking in this, in this interview that, you know, it gives you control. And so what I mean by that is like, take a look at our current situation. Right now, 23 million people have lost their jobs. I think that's the, the, the most recent number or something like that. And what you get is you get stacks of papers from hiring managers. Here's a hundred resumes of people who want a job and they become faceless pieces of paper in a stack. And like, talk about doing yourself a disservice. If, if you want to take control of landing your next role, networking with the right people, building your own business, starting your own podcast, whatever it might be that you want, this is a great way to do it. Because if I turn around and lost my job during this, I've got 55,000 people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn who like my stuff. I could just go out and say, hey, everyone, I, I unfortunately lost my job. I'd, I'd love to speak with someone about you know open roles. And I think that I would get a lot of interest in that. And that's um, I think that's a win for people. And that's why I encourage people to build their own brand, not to build a brand that's around their company. So that's my, my advice. So you've probably encountered a lot of people who have, um, who are attempting to build their own brand or have come mm-hmm. to you for advice on what they should do. What have you seen on LinkedIn or on Twitter or elsewhere of some of the pitfalls and what people may be doing incorrectly? You just mentioned like kind of building the brand around your company. Um, sure. Can you elaborate on either that or other examples? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with the company one, which is, um, and I, I wrote something about this the other day. Remember, your, your, your company's like a family until they're not, right? So like, let's just be real with one another. And I know you guys work for an awesome company and you know, I love Gong, but companies are not families. Companies are groups of individuals that work together to make money for shareholders. And when things go south, people lose their jobs. And so when you lose your job, your company that you just lost your job from will not be there to help you build a personal brand. So if you spend 24 months building a personal brand on behalf of your company, and then you get let go, then you're starting from scratch. 
And I would hate to start from scratch while unemployed. So that is like something that I just can't fathom. And if I went to a business and they said, you have to build your brand around our company, I would not want to work at the business. So that's like one thing that I would, I would kind of um, put out there to begin, but pitfalls are pretty common stuff. Um, You know, normal pitfalls are like, don't share your political beliefs. Like, well, I do that sometimes. So I, I guess I can't, can't say that. Don't, don't share anything that's hateful. Let's say that. Right. So um, you, it's great to be supportive. Um, it's not great to be hateful. Um, so that that's like one pitfall. I see people making really big mistakes online that will go with them for the rest of their careers. I would say don't, don't connect and pitch. I, I nothing is more frustrating than getting a, a connection with someone who you think would be a really great connection. And then, you know, Hey, Justin, um, we're working with military veterans to help them open McDonald's franchises. Like I'm not a military veteran. I don't want to open a franchise. Um, I just, it, those things are, are really frustrating for me. And then I would say, you know, other, other pitfalls is just not being consistent. Consistency is the name of the game. It's the key to almost everything in life. And it's no different with your brand. If you're there every day, you become a household name or a, a common name and people start start for three days and then they stop and they say that didn't work. And so it's that those are just some common things I see on a regular basis. All right, everyone, you know, in every episode, we like to have a data breakout, a quick sidebar to look at the data. You might be thinking, sure, having a strong personal brand on LinkedIn sounds great, but isn't it enough just to maintain my personal network? Well, think about the following stats. According to a 2018 career builder survey, 70% of employers will research a candidate's social media profiles as part of the hiring process. And of the 2 billion millennials around the world, yes, billions with a B, 87 million of them are on LinkedIn, with 11 million in decision-making positions. Social media directly influences hiring decisions, not just today, but also going into the future. That means chances are high that the strength of your online personal brand will have a significant impact on your career. Stay tuned to the micro action at the end of the interview for ways to build your own personal brand online. I really agree with, you know, don't, you don't have to be an expert, right? Experience mm-hmm. can be that. And I think experience is kind of like if you go on LinkedIn right now, people are usually looking to be entertained. That's why you take a two minute break, right? To before your next calls to go be entertained, see what's going on. Uh, or to learn, like you said, with the, which is the tactical part. And so if you don't feel comfortable, you don't want to have something to share on an expertise, then your story, like you said, that can be entertaining, right? People love mm-hmm. great stories. That, that's kind of my take on it. I'm curious if you agree, if there's maybe any, any other angles where people who are trying to get started can be like, you know what, that's something I can do today. Yeah, your story is an awesome way to get started. I was screwing around trying to figure out how to build an audience, you know, 18 months ago. And I think it all started when I told my story, I I told my, my story is relatable. Um, I got, I got fired from the very, the first three jobs I ever worked at pretty quickly. Um, I didn't last more than probably two or three years with any company. And and I don't think I ever made a sale. Like no one ever gave me a credit card and bought a product for me. And I never hit a quota, never. And so like I told that story, I was like, Hey, here's why like here I got fired a bunch of times and then my career turned around and here's why it turned around. And so I thought that would be relatable for folks who were struggling and who wanted to think that there was something better in the future for them. And for most people there, there is. And so I told that story and it resonated. And so I often recommend to people like telling your story, especially when it's relatable is, is really helpful. I think other things that are super helpful is just breaking things down that are more complex and making them very simple. So for example, take a look at, you know, a guy like Chris Walker, who a lot of people follow on, on uh, LinkedIn as well. Marketing is complicated, 
right? If, you, if, you're, if you're not a marketer by trade, all the jargon and all the stuff is complicated. I think that he does a really great job in his videos in a minute and 30 seconds of taking something relatively complex and making it easy to understand. And so that's why his brand has skyrocketed that and he's a great marketer and, uh, and has a great brand. But I, I love that approach as well. I think that's a, a healthy approach to being helpful. You give in the universe and things will come back to you. So that's sort of my, I guess, my mantra on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like about your story too that you shared is it shows vulnerability. Yeah, I, I think there's nothing worse than, well, there's nothing worse than big egos. I don't know. It, I like, I hate reading content from people with really big egos. Like it's just frustrating to me. And so I don't know. My, my thought is like, there's enough fake stuff in the world. I don't want to add to that. And so like, I got fired a lot. So be it. Mm-hmm. And like, People are like, oh, you, you did a really great job building patient pop, made plenty of mistakes, right? Got a, a lot of luck. <laughs> like uh, anyone who thinks that they did something really awesome and didn't have their fair share of luck is full of crap. And so like, I don't know, I'd rather just share, instead of sharing egotistical thoughts and thought processes, I'd rather just share like, here's some mistakes I made. Here's what I did once I made them. Here's how it worked out. And here's mistakes I'm still making. And um, I think if you do that, people are just more likely to treat you like a real human being. And I don't know, I think it's unrelatable to be full of, full of ego. I, I can't stand when like, you know, someone will put out an opinion and I'll see other people just be like, you're wrong. It's like, what do you mean wrong? The whole world is subjective. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. The, the folks that have the big egos should probably be the ones that just stay off of LinkedIn and build your brand in a different way. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to go through their feed and just read, you know, people boasting about themselves. Yeah. So I, I try and I try and encourage people to stay away from that. Uh, one of the posts I really like, Justin, you wrote recently was, uh, I'm paraphrasing, you, I don't think you put in this word, but essentially kind of sure. like the death of the traditional resume. Uh, and you shared a story about uh, you hired the first salesperson at Patient Pop after just one interview over dinner without a resume, mm-hmm. which is challenging conventional wisdom. So I'm curious, like, what about that person's, was it that interaction, that dinner was so impactful? Was there that person's personal brand? Was it, a, you know, was it a accumulation of both? Like, what what happened in that interaction where you're like, I don't need a resume? Yeah, it was, so it's, it's actually interesting because this was back in 2015. And this was before, this was my first hire and it was either January or February of 2015. And it, it wasn't actually uh, tied to like an online personal brand. This was before I had, you know, LinkedIn was a resume site, right? And like, um, it was Derek Jankowski was his name. And it was the offline personal brand of, of Derek that actually got me to hire him. And I'll give you the, the quick story. Um, Derek was my SDR at ZocDoc. I was an account executive back in 2010 and Derek was my SDR and he did an awesome job and I loved working with him. And so part of building a brand is being a high performer, right? Like you have to actually be good at what you do, you know, to, to, to continue to grow that brand. But I, I ended up leaving ZocDoc and I think Derek left in 2012 and I left in maybe 2014. I don't remember the exact dates, but rather than just disappear for the next three years, like he kept in regular contact with me all the time. Like we chatted, we caught up, you know, he told me how his career was going. And so when I went to make my first hire, who was top of mind? Derek, right? Not the, the, the aggressive job seekers who were coming in through our greenhouse account. Those people weren't top of mind. I literally picked up the phone. I gave him a call. I'm like, Hey, 
I'm, I'm a VP of sales at a new company. I'm looking for my first hire. Meet me at Layal in New York in Lower East Side. We went down there, had a stake. It wasn't an interview. It was me selling him. I was like, here's why I think you should leave the company that you're currently at and join my team. And so no resume needed. It was just the brand that he kept up offline with me over the course of years that made it so easy to get hired. And what we're doing online is now representative of that, right? So if I was looking for a great, if, whenever I work with clients and they're like, who's a great marketer? I'm like, Chris Walker. Like first guy that comes to mind. Why wouldn't I recommend him? Like he's all over my feed. I see him every day. He's top of mind for me. So the offline and the online are both very important. And that's, that's why I hired Derek. Yeah, and I think um, I sometimes speak with SDRs or other folks who are earlier on in their career, and they may not love their, uh, you know, their job or the position or the work that they're required to do in that <clears> at that time. But that's always my feedback to them is that you have to give your 110% now because people remember the output of your work. They are going to remember how you treated them. That's going to survive longer than anything else. And usually whatever space you work in, the communities are small. Um, so whatever, you, you know, it comes back. The people that you interact with, the opportunities, it's all going to come back. So make sure you're putting in 110% regardless of the situation or the scenario um, and impress the folks around you. I, I, I write about this exact thing that you just talked about, which is everybody at your job sitting around you today are, are likely future executives. So if I go back to my team at ZocDoc in 2009, there are 30 people that I can think of that were immediately around me in the office who are now either CEOs, COOs, chief customer officers, or venture capitalists. And like when I went to get my job at Patient Pop, Luke and Travis, the co-CEOs, they offered me the job and they said, we talked to like 20 to 25 people in the leadership team at ZocDoc and your name came up consistently. And like, that's super humbling to begin with, which I appreciate, but it just goes to show you that if you do a really good job at your, at your work, at your job, and you get surrounded by influential people. And now that we've all grown in our careers, like the connections that I have by just doing a good job 10 years ago um, are awesome. And I, so I always tell people like, man, you're, I know you're grinding now, but you're grinding for a decade from now. So think about that. I, I think. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, to, interesting too, is as we go through this, it's really about building your offline brand first. And then reflecting what you've done and who you are yep. online. That, that's that's like what it comes totally. down to, right? Cause that, and that's like when, true. We were, when we were preparing for this, Justin, I was like, and like I said, I, I follow you. I, I agree that people should have a personal brand and I think it makes sense if you want to do it online. But when I talk to people in passing, there's a lot of conflict of like, <clears throat> oh, you don't need to build a brand. Like, you know, but they're thinking about the LinkedIn brand, the visual, you know, the, the digital brand. And like you said, like the, the relationships, the, the relationships you build, how you carry yourself, the results that you put in, especially earlier in your career, that like not only builds your reputation, but like kind of your own understanding of yourself, right? So then if you do decide to go digital, it should be really clear about what you stand for and what you want to write about. Totally. Totally. Like if you build an offline brand, you're building your brand on performance, you're building your brand on your, your word, your loyalty, your honesty, the way that you treat other people, like those things are all extraordinarily important. Right. But, but if you want to, if you want massive reach, like if you want to take it outside of your office or your team, you sort of have to go online. Right. right? Like I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example. Like I was doing a good job at patient pop building the team, but I mean, patient pop's not like, it's not gong. Right. We're not 
outreach. Um, you know, like we don't have that kind of brand recognition. I think Kevin and I hopefully gave it a little bit of brand recognition, but we, we're certainly not that big of a company, right? It, with the same kind of funding, so on and so forth. But by being online, you know, I was sharing stuff on a regular basis and Jason Lemkin reached out and said, hey, I saw this post. I think it's really cool. Would you like to speak at Saster? Like that opportunity should probably never have come my way or definitely wouldn't have come my way had I not put things online. And so it's uncovering unique opportunities like that, that to me are like the, the fruit, right? That, that, that is bared when you, uh, when you build a, when you build a brand online and when you transition from offline to online. So that's why I think it's, it's, there's really unique opportunities to be uncovered through, through that reach. So I have a question for you. So we have, we, we've covered offline. I think you, you can't really measure it, right? Like offline, you, you can feel it. You, you can do it by relationships. I guess a quick way is you know, <clears throat> do people pick up the call, you know, pick up the phone when you call them. That's an easy way. How, yeah. now that you are evangelizing online uh, brand building, how do you measure it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's like vanity metrics, right? There's like, there's impressions and there's engagement and all that stuff. And I think those things are important. Just like in marketing, like people say leads aren't important. You're right. Revenue is much more important, but like leads are hopefully a leading indicator of of revenue. But um, I I digress. Like I think impressions, I think engagement, I think comments, I think people reaching out to you with, you know, DMs in your inbox, all those things just show that you're moving in the right direction, that you're piquing people's interest. And as long as those are increasing over time, more opportunities will, will open up for me now that I run my own, my own business. Um, I mean, the metric that I measure is revenue. Uh, you know, I, I, by the way, I have not made this, I have made this not a secret at all. The goal of me building my brand is to make money. Like, I'll just be very candid about that. Right. I am, I, I like sharing my insights. I like helping people, but I work for myself. So the goal of what I do is to generate opportunities to advise businesses, consult for businesses. I sell a course, as you guys know, like there's a lot of ways that I try and turn my brand into revenue and I, I do not make that a secret. And so that's how I measure it now. But, it, but for anyone getting started, I would just measure, you know, some of the, some of the vanity metrics that just indicate that you're moving in the right direction. Totally. And I think too, as uh, you said it with a smile on your face, you know, Hey, I'm here to make money your product is just a very authentic product and a very honest one, right? So I think that's why sometimes people say like, oh, it's almost like mixing, you know, uh, doing good and making money, which kind of can't mix. But I I, I, I can totally see where you, what you mean. And it's like at the end of the day, you are creating a product and you should be making money from it. Totally. And I think that when people pay for something, they're more likely to do it. So I, my, my, my goal is I was trying to make something affordable and accessible that everybody could afford, whether they were just graduating college or whether they were an executive at a startup company, um, that they could go out and, and buy it, and donate a little bit to help support my business and turn that into hopefully 10 or a hundred X the investment that they made. And that was my goal. And so hopefully I'm, I'm, you know, achieving that. If you're, if you're putting something of value out into the world, whether it is an iPhone app, a course, a, you know, a solution, you should get paid for it. So I don't totally agree. You know, the, the perspective of you're doing something good for the world, it should be free, does not uh, always uh, gel in my mind. Um, so there are folks who are just getting started on this journey of building their brand, right? They are confused. They may not know where to start. We've talked about a, li- a lot of different um, ideas um, in, this, uh, in this episode. What would be your recommendation on the first three things that somebody who is just getting started with building their 
online brand, uh, where should they start? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that they should think about is branding is a means to an end. So what is it that you actually want to accomplish? Like, it's very easy to see a directionless brand. You go on, they're like, SDRs need to make more inbounds. Here's my favorite pizza. I just bought a house and I'm traveling to, you know, Egypt. Like they're like very directionless brands that talk about things, different things every day. And that's cool. Like if you're just having fun, no big deal. It's, it's not none of my business, but like, I think that uh, brands are mean to an end. So what do you want? Do you want to build a side hustle? Do you want to build your own business? Do you want to speak at an event in your industry? Do you want to host a podcast? Like what is your ultimate goal? And I always recommend that people think of those things like three to five years out. I don't think it takes that long to build a brand, but you should be, you know, driving towards an endpoint so you can steer your ship in the right direction. That's, that's like number one for me. Number two is once you understand that, who's your ideal audience. And um, to me, it's like, when I went out to build my advising firm, like it's not just uh, founders, it's not just SaaS founders, it's not just SMB SaaS founders, it is early stage SMB SaaS founders because that is where I like to play, that's where I'm most comfortable, that's where I think I can add the most value. And so you gotta get really niche, really targeted. Who's your ideal audience? I think once you do that, the things you have to think through is, you know, now you've got who you help, but what do you actually help them do? And how do you actually help them do it? There's a million me's in this world. Like go on LinkedIn. There's a million me's. There's a million consultants, right? In sales, like what makes you different? And so I think that's something that you have to really think about. Um, And then once you understand those things, it's designing your landing page, which is what your profiles truly are, designing your landing page to capture what you just created, And if you do that really effectively, you can guide people from the top of your profile down to the middle of it. And in the middle is calls to action and get people to actually interact with your business. So if you do that effectively, um, I think it's, it's a really good win. So those are some things that I think about. It's a lot of nuance in there. There's a lot of things that I've done that don't work and things that I do uh, that, that do work. So those those are things I think about to start. I really like the point you made uh, about being niche. I think, think I read it from you. So if you tell me, if you start nodding that you've written a LinkedIn post, uh, I'll believe you. Um, But I think a lot of times folks are, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm just this one thing. You know what I mean? I'm I'm an enterprise rep at a small company or I'm an SMB leader. And I think they they can kind of view that as almost like a weakness. But the way you position it is like your niche is actually your strength. Like get really, really specific on that thing, own it, and then kind of go to market with it in in the steps that you just outlined. Totally. I mean, uh, you've got sales leaders who are like, I don't have a niche and I, I, I can't create anything and I won't be able to make any money or whatever their goal is. Right. And I'm like, Hey, I know a beekeeper making money on LinkedIn. Seriously. I know a woman who twists balloon animals into shapes and makes six figures doing that. Wow. Like, that's pretty incredible, right? Like, like those are not things that I would normally think would be like money makers or brand builders. And so like, give yourself a break when you're thinking about it. Everyone's, everyone is special. Everyone has special talents. Like what are yours and get really niche. What are your, what do your friends come to you for help with? Like, that's a great way to start thinking about what your niche is. Um, You know, that's how I started thinking about mine is all these, these founders were coming to me asking me for help. And I looked at them and I said, they all actually look relatively similar. They're all early stage. They're all SMB. They're all SaaS. And so that's, that's what I decided was my niche. That's awesome. So Justin, we like to end our conversations with all of our guests with one final, you know, one final tip to the audience, one final question. How would you describe sales in one word? Hard. 
<laughs> and some few more words on why. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I think, um, I think transacting or asking someone to part with their hard-earned money in exchange for goods or services is really difficult. And I think people that are not in sales um, don't understand the difficulty in making a sale. And I think what is most helpful for businesses, especially those businesses that are product led or product built, you know, that, that, that chief product officer is the, is the CEO, excuse me, or, or a product guy is the CEO or whatever, um, sell, like go out and have some empathy for the, the sales team. Um, it's a hard job. It's, I mean, all jobs are hard, but like sales never stops. It's just like, man, I finally hit my number this month and tomorrow's the first it's time to go again. And, um, you know, I think if you understand how difficult it is, you can have empathy, you can have compassion, you know, by the way, if you're going to start your own business, you better know how to sell. Yeah. And the fun thing of working for yourself is you're not just sales, you're finance, you're marketing, you're legal when it comes to that. Hope you have friends in, in legal, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's its own grind when you're, when you're in solo. Um, well, Justin, thanks for joining us, man. And for listeners, uh, we've mentioned it, but you have a course online around brand building. You have a playbook. I believe that's free. I have both of them. So if my cosign means anything to listeners, uh, go check it out. Is there anything else you're working on or that you want to share with folks? I am. I'm working on a bunch of stuff, but uh, my, my website's theofficialjustin.com. I, I kind of put up what I'm working on there, but yeah, I'm doing, my wife and I are, are starting to try and support some local businesses here in Nashville with some small investments. So we're, we're, we're tinkering with that and trying to understand how that works and, um, you know, building more courses and uh, taking more clients and tinkering with a bunch of stuff. Awesome. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you're off to a great start in Nashville, man. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, it's been really exciting. I, I really appreciate, as always, you guys having me on and giving me an opportunity to tell my story and talk a little bit about what I do. So thank you. Of course. Thanks, Justin. Justin has built a strong personal brand with over 11 million content views on LinkedIn this year so far and has accrued over 55,000 followers. Now, for those among us with smaller audiences, that number can seem a bit daunting. So here are a few questions you can ask yourself to get started without getting overwhelmed. Remember, keep it simple. First up, what's your goal? Do you want to build a side hustle, start your own business, speak at industry events, or host a podcast? And next, who's your ideal audience? The more specific you can be, the better. And last, what value are you going to provide? And how will you make a difference in people's lives? Think through those questions, put together a plan, and hopefully I'll see you on LinkedIn. If you like today's episode, subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.